Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. And I've got just a quick little while. I don't know how long I'll run my mouth, but this is a kind of a light topic episode, just a kind of sort of a palate cleanser from last episode, because that story was, man, was it a bummer, which I mean, it's just not a happy story. It's, it's pretty terrible to be honest with you. Uh, but first real quick, um, I alluded to the fact that I've had a lot going on. We have done a lot of traveling back and forth to Virginia to visit family. I've got a family member that is having some medical issues and not doing well, but we've put about 10,000 miles on our Yukon just this summer and driving that much on the interstate, you see some wild things and driving back this Sunday, I saw actually Monday, it was Labor Day weekend. I saw a couple of things of note. Uh, Number one, We've all seen a shoe on the side of the interstate, and I'm always curious, you know, how does just one shoe wind up on the side of the road? Now, I'm sure most of them will just fall out, but it seems like for the number of shoes you see, somebody has to just be driving down the road and chucking shoes out the window. But this weekend, I saw the rare pair of shoes on the interstate, not once, but twice. Uh, Once it was uh, just a pair of tennis shoes, Uh, they were both sitting about five feet apart, And a little closer to home in Pennsylvania, I saw a pair of flip-flops that were sitting there. looked like somebody actually stopped the car, got out, set them on the white stripe. They were right side by side with each other. I really want to know the story on that because if you just threw them out the window, they're not going to land in the same spot and they're not going to be pointing in the same direction. These literally looked like somebody set them there intentionally. And I would just, I wish I would been there to see how that happened because I that would probably bring up more questions than answers, actually. But but that was an odd sighting. And like I say, I didn't see it once. I saw it twice. I also saw an old Nissan pickup truck that somebody had converted into a camper van. Now, I don't mean that they had one of the fiberglass camper shells sitting on the bed. They had removed the bed and constructed like a camper body on this tiny little miniature pickup truck. Now, that by itself, that would have just been interesting. But this individual had set his vehicle up so that the the front end looked like it had been lowered a little bit and the rear end was jacked up way in the air. And I don't mean that it was obvious that it was sitting tipped forward. I mean, the front bumper was about six inches off the pavement and the rear bumper was about three feet off the pavement. I cannot imagine that is street legal because if you had to brake hard, you know, your car will pitch forward under heavy braking anyway. That thing will probably tip over forward. Again, I can't imagine that street legal. I can't imagine the state troopers letting him pass pass by. It was a holiday weekend, so there was police every 10 feet. Uh, but he was just happily motoring down the interstate. And I saw one other thing that actually gave me an idea for a product that I need to own. Now, A few years ago, and we may still use them, I don't know, uh, but the military had guided missiles that were not guided by an onboard radar or computer. What the missile would track onto was you had to have somebody on the ground with a laser designator that was actually within sight of the target, and they would, the term they would use is paint, but the, the soldier would point the laser at what they wanted the missile to hit. The missile would uh, find the laser and follow it into the target. Now, this did have some pros and cons. The con, obviously, that you have to have one of our soldiers close enough to the target to be able to see it and paint it with the laser. The pro is that you just have pinpoint precision on what you want that missile to hit. 
Now, as we were driving home, I was passed by a large pickup truck. I think it was a Dodge Ram, but I could be remembering that incorrectly. And at some point, he had passed me, and he was coming up on some slower traffic. And for whatever reason, this guy straddled the dotted line on the interstate. And at first, I thought, you know, we're coming up, maybe the lanes go down to one lane for construction. And you'll see people do that every once in a while. They'll get in the middle to keep those jerks from just keep passing on the lane that's getting ready to to end. And then you get a big pile up right there where they have to get over. But these jerkwads, you know, they saw the sign that said right lane ends two miles ago the same way everybody else did. But they think, well, I'm just going to keep in this lane until I get to the cones. It just causes a bunch of problems. If they just merge when they have a chance, the traffic would move much, much smoother. But God forbid, they might have to get to where they're going 10 seconds slower and we can't have that. But I thought at first that's what this guy was doing because I thought he was just blocking traffic from passing on a lane that was getting ready to be closed. Well, it turns out, no, he just wanted to straddle the line for about two miles. And so my idea for this product was I wish there was a laser that when you see somebody driving like a complete asshole like that, you could paint them with that laser and the state troopers would have something in their car that would detect that this guy's been marked as somebody that needs to be pulled over for questioning because there's something going on with this jerk. And it would have to be some sort of receiver transmitter in the vehicles themselves because you obviously you couldn't follow along somebody on the interstate pointing a laser at them for miles waiting to pass the next trooper. But if we could just, you know, hit somebody with this laser and it would turn that transmitter on saying, hey, you know, this this guy's driving like a maniac, need to do something about it. That would, first of all, you'd get a little bit of revenge when somebody does something just absolutely crazy on the interstate. And plus, it would cut out a lot of this jackassery because people would know, hey, if I drive like a moron, I'm going to get pulled over because everybody I pass is going to be ratting me out to the next trooper running a a radar station. It would solve a lot of problems and it would uh, feel pretty good to me in the process. So I see that as a win-win. But that's not what I want to talk about today because, again, I'm wanting to to cleanse my palate from that horrible story over in Nescapac. And this is a good week, ladies and gentlemen. This is a week that I wait for all year long. College football kicked off last Saturday. NFL kicks off this, actually kicks off tomorrow night as I'm recording this. So this is a good week. Now, I want to talk real quick about college football. And before I get into this, I want to make it clear, I don't follow college football. I'm very ignorant on, you know, who's in what conference, who's supposed to be a powerhouse this year, who's supposed to be terrible. So if I say something that doesn't make any sense, it's coming from ignorance. Uh, Don't hit me with a bunch of comments because, trust me, I am well aware that a lot of what I'm saying right now is probably not going to be 100% factual. My apologies in advance for the next segment of this show because I'm sure a lot of my listeners are Virginia Tech fans because a good portion of my listenership is from the area that I grew up in, and I grew up very close to Virginia Tech, so I'm sure that several of my fans are also fans of Virginia Tech, and I realize that I'm probably going to be picking at a pretty fresh scab while I talk about this. But Virginia Tech kicked off their football season on Friday night against Old Dominion University. Now, Old Dominion University is not a powerhouse football team. In fact, if you'd asked me two weeks ago if I'd ever heard of Old Dominion, my answer would have been, well, yeah, I grew up in Virginia. I'd heard of Old Dominion. And then if you'd asked me, do they have a football team? My answer would have been, I don't know. Because it 
and this is kind of odd from just what I've seen. I am a huge fan of the NFL, but I've never really gotten into college football. And a lot of people, it's the exact opposite. You know, they like the NFL, they'll watch the NFL, but they're really passionate about college football. And I root for Virginia Tech just because they're sort of the home team. I grew up about an hour from the campus, but I'm a casual fan. Again, I'm not big into college football, and I like Virginia Tech just because they were close. But if they win, that's great. And if not, oh, well, what else is on? It really doesn't affect me one way or the other what they do. So when I saw that they were playing Old Dominion as their opening game, and again, I may be way off on how the scheduling is made. I don't know that the schools have any real say in who they play or not. But I think Virginia Tech felt really good going into that game because Old Dominion is a little bit smaller school, although I was kind of surprised how many students Old Dominion University has. Uh, The average enrollmentship in Virginia Tech is about 36,000 students each year, and Old Dominion has 25,000, which surprised me. But Old Dominion is noticeably smaller than Virginia Tech, but I was kind of surprised how many students they do have attending classes there each year. But I think Virginia Tech probably felt pretty good about opening the season against Old Dominion. I thought, I think that they probably felt like they were going to get an easy win and get some momentum going into the season right out of the gate. And then what happens? Old Dominion upset them. And that's why you don't do that crap. Again, I don't know how much say Virginia Tech has in their schedule each year, uh, but Virginia Tech's in the ACC, Old Dominion is in the Sun Belt Conference, and the only reason I know that is I looked it up about 10 minutes ago. So I feel like that Virginia Tech thought that they were going to beat up on a much smaller school with a much weaker football program, and then you have something weird happen. Now, the game was not televised. I don't know exactly what happened, but I was kind of watching a game feed on the internet while the game was going on, and Virginia Tech got control of the ball with like a minute 36 left and they were up four points. And I thought, well, that's, you know, they're just, they're going to run out the clock and that's the end of the game. Two plays later, suddenly Old Dominion had the ball and they were on the one yard line away from scoring a touchdown. Now, I don't know if it was a fumble or a pass interception in that situation. If you were throwing a pass, you deserve to lose the game. You know, just run the ball, get rid of the clock and you walk out of there with a victory. But for whatever reason, Old Dominion managed to get the ball on the one-yard line, scored a touchdown, there was only 36 seconds left, and Virginia Tech wound up losing that game. I wish the game had been televised so I could have seen exactly what happened, but you want to talk about getting the rug pulled out from under you? Yeah, I'm sure Virginia Tech, every person on that team, expected that they'd be rolling into the second game of the season 1-0, and like I say, build up a little momentum and kind of probably looked at Old Dominion as sort of a tune-up game, almost like a preseason game. You know, we're going to walk out of here with a victory, no problem, and we'll be ready to go for the next opponent. I could be wrong. Like I say, I don't follow college football. Maybe Old Dominion has a much better football program than I'm imagining that they do, but I'd be surprised just because I have never heard anything about Old Dominion's football program. I've never seen, I'm sure I've seen scores and it just didn't pop up on my radar to pay attention to it. But poor Virginia Tech. The fans, I'm sure, are all incredibly frustrated. I saw a lot of stuff on my Facebook feed about how angry people were. But that's why you don't start your season off 
trying to plan a win. You know, just just play who you play. That's all you can do. And you never know what's going to happen in a game. You could have a weird fumble or turnover at a bad time, which is exactly what happened to Tech. You know, you can have your star quarterback get hurt in the first quarter. You just, you never know what's going to happen. And as to why I don't really follow college football is just, number one, I've never followed it closely enough to know who's in what conference, what games really matter, who are the rivalries. I'm just not really up to date on all that stuff. And another thing that I never liked about college football is the ranking system is more opinion than anything else. You you have the AP poll and the coaches poll, and I think the fans get to vote preseason, and that's what you're ranked. And it's all based just on, you know, these people think this team's going to be really good. And the problem that I've seen is that when a lot of people, there's a consensus, you know, that this team's going to be the powerhouse, that's the team to beat. If they come out in the season and they're not as good as what everybody expected them to be, it seems like nobody really wants to knock them down in the rankings to where they should be. And a prime example of that is about a dozen years ago, I don't remember the exact year, Boise State, and I think at the beginning of the season, they may have been ranked, but they were pretty low, but they were just absolutely murdering everybody they played. And it's like nobody wanted to admit that they were wrong and miss the boat on how good of a team Boise State had that year. So it did not matter who they beat or how badly they beat them. They were very slowly climbing up in the ranks. And at the end of the year, I think they might have made it up to like fifth, but they were ranked behind teams that had two losses. They were undefeated and not just undefeated. I mean, they had just flat out embarrassed everybody they played, but nobody was willing to say, hey, this is the best team in the nation simply because they had not said that at the beginning. It's you know like, I'm, I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong and vote them as the number one team because I had them at 27th at the beginning of the season. And the only problem with that is that that team was never going to have the opportunity to play for a national championship, even though their performance on the field absolutely said they should have a chance to play for the championship. Now, I like that college football has finally implemented a playoff system. It gives these teams that maybe weren't getting their due respect through the season, it gives them a chance to play their way up to the championship game. I wish they would put a couple more in. They probably, I'm sure they'd like to because that's just a bunch more revenue for college football, but that would be adding games because for some reason or another, they didn't just say these bowl games are the playoffs and then, you know, the championship game will be its own thing. It's like, the, you know, they everybody gets their regular bowl bid, then they play their playoff games, the five or whatever teams it is that is ranked high enough to get into that. But I just, I don't like that the rankings and who wins the championship is based more on outsiders opinions than the play on the field. And that just feels wrong to me. And I've never been able to get past that, which is the biggest reason why I prefer the NFL so much more than college football. It's all based on how you do through the year. If your record is good enough, you get into the playoffs. If you play well enough in the playoffs, you get to the Super Bowl. If you play well enough in the Super Bowl, you win the championship that year. And that is all that's looked at as far as who gets in and who doesn't. It's just a much more pure meritocracy. That's the way it should be done. Whoever's the best team comes out on top in the end. And you'll have years where clearly the better team just has a bad day and they get put out of the playoffs. And I'm fine with that. If you don't play up to your normal standards, you don't deserve to win that game. 
Now, there are a lot of people that say that the NFL's rigged and they know who's going to win the games beforehand. Maybe that's possible. I really don't think it is because I've heard a lot of people say that NASCAR is rigged. Well, you know, you could bend the rules for somebody that you want to win the race and do things that's going to give them, you know, half mile an hour advantage over the, all the other cars. But you can't really script a race because there's so many things that can happen. There's so much luck involved in a race because maybe you've made it to where this car goes much faster and handles better than all the other cars on the on the track, but they can still blow up an engine. They can still clip a wall and mess their car up. They can get caught in a wreck and get put out of the race altogether. You can't script a football game, or I'm sorry, a NASCAR race any more than you can a football game. Because of all the crazy things can happen, you you can have star players get hurt and they're not playing, and suddenly your team went from dominant to middle of the pack. Maybe your roster is just absolutely stacked with talent, but they just don't play well together as a team. There's there's so many things that can happen. Now, when I watch some games and I watch how the refs call those games, I I kind of lean toward yeah, this is you know they're absolutely trying to make sure this team wins over the other. And you have teams that just parentally get help from the referees. You know, the Patriots have gotten the benefit of some very generous referees for decades. Pittsburgh's another team. They will let Pittsburgh do whatever the hell they want all game long. And if the other team does anything, they throw a flag on them. So I can see some games where the refs absolutely are showing that they have picked a side. But for the most part, you can't determine who's going to win a game ahead of time. And that's part of the reason that the NFL is so popular in all team sports, really, because it is just a meritocracy. Whoever is the best will rise to the top. My team is the Dallas Cowboys, so I haven't seen them rise to the top in quite a while. But I do want to address the people on Facebook that love to post things about how, you know, Cowboys haven't been to the Super Bowl since 1995 and I've got a lot of people that post that stuff that I know for a fact these individuals are Washington Redskins fans. And, you know, sure, you can post that all you want to, but I just want to point out Dallas won the Super Bowl in 1995. Washington has not won the Super Bowl since 1989. And I understand that you're a Washington Redskins fan, so your logical thinking is not up to par. But I just wanted to let you know that 33 years is a longer amount of time than 27 years. But I do want to just touch on the Cowboys real quick before we wrap this thing up, because you know, Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I like Dak Prescott a lot. I like him personally. And you know, with the tragedy that he's went through the last couple of years with his family members and the suicide, it's hard not to root for the guy. Plus, he just he looks like he's having fun out there. And that's that's an endearing quality in a football player. And he just seems like an all-round, like a good dude. You know, he seems like he'd be friendly and and just polite and a nice guy, the kind of guy you'd want to hang out with. And he puts a lot of good games together. I'm afraid that Dak Prescott is the worst type of quarterback for your team to have. And I hope I'm wrong. Dak, and on the tidy slim chance that you actually listen to this podcast, please, by all means, prove me wrong. But I'm starting to believe that Dak Prescott is one of those quarterbacks who is good enough to win you a lot of regular preseason games. He'll get you to the playoffs more often than not, but he just can't take that extra step, turn his game up that extra little notch to get you some playoff wins and get you to the Super Bowl. Like I say, I hope I'm wrong. He's going into his seventh season. Usually the quarterbacks, would you know, you've got some 
some outliers there like Peyton Manning didn't do much in the playoffs until later in his career. But generally, when you have a really good quarterback that is going to get you deep into the playoffs, they've done that by year five, unless you've just got somebody that's stuck on a horrible team. Most of the time, elite quarterbacks get you deep into the playoffs early in their career. Now, I understand that Dak has had some injuries, uh, but he's also played on some teams that have just had tons of injuries. And again, luck plays a lot into the how you do all the way through the season. But I feel like that if he was going to take that next step, he would have done it by now. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. God, I hope he does. But I just think that Dak is a very good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. And that like I say, that is the worst thing for a team to have because they play good enough that you don't want to get rid of them, but that kind of stifles the growth of younger guys, or maybe you pass over somebody in the draft that would have been great. And of course, there's no guarantee on anything. You look at Ryan Leaf, it looks like he's just a sure bet to be the MVP Super Bowl winner, and he comes out and just lays a big egg, and he's out of the league after a couple of years. But teams can spend a lot of time waiting on a quarterback that is really good to become great, and they just never do. A lot of people put Tony Romo into that category as well. I don't. I think Tony Romo was one of the best quarterbacks to ever play for Dallas. And, of course, everybody says, well, you know, he never did anything in the playoffs. He never went to the Super Bowl. No, but you have got to look at how terrible those teams were that Tony Romo was on, and he made them competitive. The times that he would get hurt for four or five games, they'd be lucky to win one of those games when he wasn't in there. But when Tony Romo was in the game, they were a threat to beat any team in the league on any given Sunday. And that's why I say Romo was a great quarterback, because he took Dallas teams that without him, they would be lucky to win four games. And with him, they were playoff contenders every year. That's how good of a quarterback he was. You know, of course, he had his flaws, but I think he gets a lot of vitriol from people, and I don't really understand why. I almost feel like it's because he went undrafted. Nobody really had them on their radar. And again, back to like the college football rankings, you know, nobody wants to admit that they missed him coming out of college. So they have to kind of downgrade everything he did all through his career. But I loved watching Tony Romo play. I wish he was a little more durable. And, you know, sometimes people are like that. You know, Chad Pennington was a really great quarterback as long as he could stay healthy, but he just had a real problem staying on the field all through his career. I have a good friend that was a Jets fan, and she used to call him Fragile Chad because every time he got hit, he'd miss the next two games. And unfortunately, injuries are a part of the game. And if you've got a guy that gets hurt a lot, he's not going to be on the field a lot. And as the season kicks off here in about 28 hours, we're all getting ready to watch that play out in real time. I'm not expecting much out of my Cowboys this year, simply because it seems like the years that they shouldn't be very good. They play really well and they surprise me. And the years that they should be good, they play terribly. Either they'll have a bunch of injuries or they just never gel as a team. But Dallas should be good this year, so I'm not expecting them to do much more than just a little over 500. Because just anecdotally, that seems the way it's went for the last 20 years. So I'm not really expecting to see my Cowboys in the Super Bowl this year. And I just keep telling myself it's okay. I have seen my team win three Super Bowls. And there are a lot of people out there that go their entire lives and never see their team win one. Technically, I've seen four. uh, But when they won in 78 against Denver, I had just turned three years old. 
And I'm sure that whatever house I was in that night, whether we were at home or at a grandparent's house or visiting somebody, I'm sure that the house we were in had that game on. So I'm sure that I saw it. I have zero recollection of it because, like I say, I had turned three three days prior. But if you really want to split hairs, I have seen Dallas win four Super Bowls. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. Like I say, kind of a light topic, but I hope you enjoyed the show. I thank you for sitting with me this long. If you did enjoy the show, please leave me a like and a comment and give me a subscription. If you're really appreciating what I do here, I would certainly appreciate it if you did that. You can leave me a comment at freshrosensoutherner at gmail.com or on the Fresh Rosen Southerner Facebook page. Everybody enjoy your work week. Football's getting ready to kick off. I hope everybody enjoys it. And if you don't watch NFL, uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's you're getting into bad weather and what, what the hell else are you going to do on a Sunday? But everybody enjoy the games, and we will talk again very soon. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.